0: Before we begin today's show, we have our Patreon supporters over at Patreon, and they are Perba, Zach Duran, Lauren L., Paul Campaneshi, Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Hanson Screenprinting, and Rock the Green. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show, and uh, thank you for all of you for listening.
1: The Ocho.
0: Now on to the show.
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts as always. I'm Eric. And I'm Russ. And this is, of course, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. Let's not forget about that. Oh, yeah. And uh, today we are discussing a place that is... uh, uh, obviously just so it it just drilled into Wisconsin culture yeah. that uh, uh, it's like it's our version of you know the the West Coast burger chains you know uh, more delicious of course yes um, but uh, we were talking about Culver's uh, and and the fine Culver's restaurants that exist uh, and Uh, We also have great Wisconsin music from B.J. Fisher. Uh, We will be going into that a little bit later. Uh, There's a new album out from uh, B.J. Fisher called Night Reminder. Go and check that out. Uh, We have another beer review, of course. Why wouldn't we? This is what we do here. Um, Keep it on brand, right? And uh, another edition of How Many Locos You At. And, uh, of course, uh, if you could, please, please, Uh, Go out there and rate, like, subscribe, review, do whatever you can for our podcast. Wherever you listen, uh, we are, of course, begging you uh, to do this. If we've got 100% participation from all of our listeners, we'll stop harping on you. Oh, yeah. But we don't. So (laughs) please, please go like, rate, uh, subscribe, review, all that stuff. Uh, That would really certainly help us out. Hey, and also stop by our website, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. Uh, that is where you can find uh, most of the episodes are on there, and uh, of course our shop. It's a one-stop yeah, shop. Yeah. Grab some logo gear. It's got pretty much anything that you could possibly want with our name and logo on it. Pretty for cool Granola. stuff. And uh, also, that's where you can find out a little bit more information about uh, the Patreon, which is sort of our paid subscribership. Uh, what really that means for us is uh, it helps to kind of just keep the the uh, servers uh, and the website and all that stuff kind of rolling, and it allows Russ and I to continue to do this without having to take too much out of our pockets. Um, you know, this is a this is definitely a passion project for both of us. We yeah. enjoy it; it's a hobby. Uh, but also, if it becomes too costly, you know, there there becomes the the issue of us dealing with our uh, significant others, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and our families dropping bowls. <laughs> so. Uh, Definitely, uh, like I said, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com, where you can find pretty much any information uh, you would need about this uh, podcast that we do here. Also, um, Russ and I, uh, we just wanted to to thank all of you for uh, another fantastic uh, year of... of yeah. I mean, we started in 2020. Uh, we rolled into 2021. Uh, it hasn't quite been two years, but we are approaching the 100 uh episode it's mark. getting there
0: it's no I, I, I didn't know make, when we
1: I... would talk about it but yeah. I, th- I figured episode 87 we are 13 episodes away uh from the big 100 and uh I just thought that hey let's put that out there let's let's put that out in the world and it's see crazy. what we get back on it you know so we we definitely do have uh, a loose plan of what to do on episode 100 um and uh and we'll definitely kind of divulge more of our secrets and our ideas and uh in upcoming yeah. future episodes uh, as we approach but uh thank you again for for sticking with us now into 2022 and uh, uh this has been uh, phenomenal so let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about of course the legendary what is it bill culver uh i mean the the man who started it all um and and really, yep. I mean, we've got a lot to think. Or er, it's Craig Culver. It's Craig Culver. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, the the local guy that owned the one in Elkhorn was named Bill. I yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, jump in, Russ.
0: Yeah. So actually, I heard this really cool program. Um, and I don't I don't listen to radio news too often, but uh, WPR once in a while has some really cool stuff. I obviously I don't like negative shit, so I don't listen to the radio too much. Like in, like newscasts and stuff like that. I mostly listen to jams. But uh, I did catch this, and it was really cool and very interesting about Craig Culver and the history yeah. of his family and actually everything that went into the restaurant business and how he became
1: And he is such Craig an iconic Culver. figure. Like, oh, I know. Those TV commercials now where he involves not only himself but also, I think, his daughter. He brings people in the kitchen and cooks up a burger and yeah, shows like, them how it's done. He's like, like, watch this. So cool. This is exactly what's happening. When you stand at that front counter and you say, I would like the uh, the the you know Butter Burger Deluxe, here's what happens. This person back here gets that grill ready with a piece of meat he you know then they they smash it down it's the, it's the legendary smash burger for crying out loud um, some of the greatest uh, uh, meat and burger and bun I mean it's just an amazing thing and, and like I said he's just kind of that iconic figure now almost like you know David Gruber uh, where you see those commercials and you're just like no that's a guy I trust yeah he's, I love Craig
0: yeah so t- today our story is going to start in Sauk City Wisconsin yeah. Uh, where Craig Culver's parents, George and Ruth Culver, were building their restaurant business. The parents had three kids, including Craig, George, and Ruth, who all grew up exposed to the restaurant business from an early age, as their parents owned and operated supper clubs and other dining options through the Sauk County area. Now, parents George and Ruth would purchase the A&W Ruppier property in 1961 and ended up actually selling the property in 1968. What they didn't know at the time is this would be the location where their son, Craig, would set up the most legendary restaurant chain in the state of Wisconsin and would be the site where the family name would be synonymous with a large chain of amazing restaurants. In 1968... His family would purchase the farm and kitchen resort at Devil's Lake, where Craig worked during college break and summers, and Walt ultimately be the place where he would meet his wife and partner Leah, and would go on to co-found the chains and have three daughters. In 1973, Craig graduated from UW-Oshkosh in 1973 with a biology degree, but like many young people, he was not exactly sure what he wanted to do with his life and with his degree, and ultimately decided to return to the restaurant business, something he knew a lot about and enjoyed. And during the time, he worked like many young people at McDonald's, the MCs, baby. Oh, yeah. He took a shot at running his own restaurant and eventually went back to helping run the restaurants being run by his mother and father. Obviously, the Devil's Lake area sucked county is amazing oh yeah absolutely Baraboo, like there's just amazing formations outdoor activities
1: yeah there. i love that area. great outdoors and then also just a great tourist area as well yeah
0: for sure and it was in 1984 when the property of the previously mentioned a w location went up for sale and they had a chance to purchase a property they had owned previously 20 years ago and of course wanted to snag a property they're familiar with and somewhat nostalgic for them which ultimately will lead to the culver's franchise but here's how it all came about the family who enjoyed frozen custard and made trips to Milwaukee to tame some of the frozen treats. And a side note, which I found out research and had no idea, Milwaukee is unofficially known as the custard capital of the world.
1: Well, I mean, uh, Leon's. Yeah, Oscars. I mean, Oscars, but Leon's. Leon's is better. Leon's is the, is the staple, man. What, uh, what
0: happened? Oh, there used to be Omega, too, but that, did that close down?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of those left. Those were basically kind of like Greek diners. Um, but yeah, Leon's is, uh, is like the frozen custard that everybody just that everybody wants there's also it's uh good. yeah leon's I've always only has been a line to oscars
0: too, so i've never been to leon yeah oscars leon's is to great too out.
1: uh leon's though i mean i'm sure if you mention this to yeah. any any you know other wisconsin uh native that that uh doesn't say culver's first which i'm sure they will yeah, yeah. leon's would be a very close second
0: which he you know he, he knew something he what the restaurant was, when he decided to open one. But he needed to think about another menu item that could be served all year round as many places only serve ice cream and custard in the summer months. I know for us we have like Frosties and stuff in Janesville that's only open in the summer months. So you can't just offer custard. You need another option. So what is he going to choose? Well, from being in the supper club and other restaurant chains and watching his parents work, he remembered something that he could often see his mother doing while preparing hamburgers. She would place a bit of butter on the top of a bun and would lightly toast or grill the bun. He thought to himself a name for the next official item he would include on the menu, which is the...
1: Butter burger. Oh, yeah. The legend. Staple. It's so good. So good.
0: I actually do that now. I actually grill the burger buns. like mm-hmm. put butter on them and put it lightly on the grill for a couple seconds, yeah. actually because of Culver's, to It be is
1: honest. A, It is an absolute iconic move.
0: It was on July eighteenth, nineteen 1984, on the location of the old AW that the first Culver's frozen custard and bur- butter burger restaurant was open. The restaurant did not do as well as he would have h- hoped, but always remembered a saying his father would always tell him, don't mess with the quality. And it was in 1990 that he made plans to open another ch- another chain location in a, maybe a bit more trafficked area and eventually it was all drafted and was sold to Craig. And uh, if the, for the first one is actually in Baraboo, which was one of the highly trafficked ones. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have a, a little bit bigger than... S- S- Sauk City is a little small area. But if you're, if you're coming from Milwaukee and going out to like Devil's Lake, you're going to pass through it, and you're going to see the original Culver's. Yeah. It's on the left-hand side when you're going through Sauk City. There's actually a plaque there as well where you can go and take a picture next nice. to it. Nice. Pretty neat. Love it. And the, the first highly successful restaurant opened in December of 1990. In the years that followed, the success of the restaurant chain first started opening throughout Wisconsin, including our hometown, El Compton...
1: Yep, Elkhorn man. were many
0: people we knew worked there, including my current girlfriend uh, Rachel. Yeah, and a, another girlfriend in high school, Sarah, and I knew like all the girls that worked there from yeah. school, and like we were all good friends. A lot
1: of a lot of my friends uh, had jobs at Culver's either in Elkhorn or Delavan, uh, which I think the same owner owned both of those properties anyway, and the one in Lake Geneva too. But uh, yeah, a lot of friends. Yeah, we d- I definitely
0: had like a lot of butter burgers. Like everyone would go there because it was like the high school. Meet-up. A lot of free
1: butter burgers.
0: You, you had some free butter burgers from there. Yeah, I mean, oh, You, you nice, got man. friends
1: that work there, man.
0: Once in a while, you get a free. They'll slap you. Slip, a, slip something in there.
1: Nice uh, butter burger, or cod sandwich. Heck mm. yeah!
0: And we all know Culver's official mascot, Scoopy, and the Scoopy tokens, yeah. a currency here in the state of Wisconsin, a true it's, currency. You can get out of jail with cur- Scoopy <laughs>
1: currency <laughs> just as much as Cole's cash. Oh I yeah. I mean Kohl's Cash and Scoopy tokens. And man. actually Kohl's has
0: started here too, Menominee Falls, yeah. which is pretty nuts. So since Scoopy, three new mascots and characters have also been added: Fudge the Dog, Curtis the Curd, and Goldie the Curd.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And the chain would continue to grow and eventually started to spread beyond the state line. And first to Minnesota in September of 1995, Illinois in December of 1995, Iowa in November 1997. And the first one outside the Midwest in Texas in February 1998. And as of August 9th, 2021, the restaurant has 830 locations in 25 states. It is currently headquartered a few miles away from the original restaurant in Prairie du du Sac. And it plans to continue to grow and spread to more states. And plans to open roughly 40 new locations a year. And I know, Eric, you were one of the lucky ones in 2021 to be able to try the curd burger. What, What were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I honestly it was uh it was uh, uh just uh, an amazing first of all it was an amazing uh April Fools joke uh that uh Culver's had kind of played on everybody and uh I I thank them for kind of following through because they had such great response uh to that April Fools joke saying you really should do that. Like you really should. <sighs> this is a real deal. This is you broke our hearts when we found out that this was fake. And we all remembered it was April 1st. Um, and, and so Culver's, hey, like the heroes they are, uh, they they came through and they put a massive curd patty on to an already existing great, you know, butter burger. And uh, I'll be honest, the flavor is there. The texture was kind of weird.
0: Yeah. With the crunchiness and stuff. Yeah, and, the burger and, and, the-
1: and then just how cheesy that curd patty was. Uh, but it tasted just like their normal cheese curds, which is great, great flavoring on that. And uh, like you said, good crusty outside, Uh, but because of how big the curd patty was, uh, it just, uh, towards the center, when you weren't getting all that crunchiness and stuff, it was a little bit, you know, odd, but tasty nonetheless. And
0: Eric, I know you're a traveler. Uh, What's the furthest Culver's you've seen? I mean, your case.
1: yeah, I think I want to say I've seen them... uh, uh, I mean, Minnesota, like they mentioned on here. And then I think even uh, reaching out to parts of like Ohio. uh, Yeah, Yeah. You know, so I haven't seen a whole lot necessarily outside of that. But then again, you know, you're, you're, when you travel you're not necessarily looking to go to culver's so yeah no it was cool. i'm sure there's some out there it was
0: really nice because we went to uh arizona lake havasu yeah and uh i was so surprised like oh man they have a culver's in freaking lake havasu like how incredible is that like Good. that far from home you know it's like it's like a little piece of wisconsin back in arizona yeah which,
1: you can kind of get that nice little wisconsin comfort food you right
0: know? And actually, I learned something new, too. Actually, Tim Hortons, you know how it's like a Canadian? Mm-hmm. They actually have them in Mexico. I got a Tim Hortons really? coffee when I was in Mexico. I was like, this is wow. ins- this is insane. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. The, the only other Tim Hortons I know of is uh, right over the border in um, Detroit. They have well, them they're right really on... close
0: to London, Canada, too. So it's probably just crosses over a little bit. Yep. Cause...
1: Yeah, especially, like I said, in Detroit, you know, the, the bridge literally takes you right over to Canada. So, like. Uh, to have one right over the border makes total sense. And uh, I think it's right on like a college campus. So, um, of course, you got to get your, your, uh, oh, yeah. what do they call them? Timbits. Yeah.
0: You got to get a couple Hortons there. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, the cool thing is like Culver's started right here in Wisconsin, Sauk City. Just another cool piece of history, and actually, I heard this article originally in WPR, and uh, I had to do a little bit more digging to find a little more information, because yeah. I wanted to give it to you guys, but just a cool history nonetheless, and just another iconic Wisconsin figure, Craig Culvers, man. Shout-outs, and uh, hopefully we can come and get some curd soon, and maybe share a beer. Absolutely. Call into the podcast, we'll share a brewski.
1: All right, so on to our music segment. Of course, we feature uh, you know, a new Wisconsin or... Uh, um, you know, uh, either artist or band or solo musician on every show, something new for you. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. Uh, if this is your first time, definitely go out there and support these guys. Uh, but uh, today's artist is B.J. Fisher. Uh, they do have a new album out that's called Night Reminder. I encourage you to go check that out because it is a phenomenal piece of uh, music, and uh, I know they worked very hard on that as well in the Milwaukee area. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely great. The song that we sort of uh, had chosen with them uh, was um, uh, called, it's nothing at all, but it's uh, a really, really cool song.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were just discussing like, um, you know, the, the opening kind of like a singer songwriter with the acoustic guitar, but then the piano comes in and it like literally reminds me of uh, Elton
1: John. Yeah.
0: Um, Honky Cat.
1: Yeah. I got Honky Cat. And kind of like Benny and the Jets kind of vibes from this. It's very, it's dancey. It's it's yeah, great. Yeah. It is a, a a super phenomenal song, and it takes you uh, on a, on a really cool journey throughout. And uh, like Russ said, kind of right when that piano kicks off, it it be it takes on a new life. Yeah, it's kind of
0: that old western um, kind of honky tonk piano playing, yeah. I guess, like old western piano, like the, yeah. Saloon, very piano, choppy. I yeah, I would yeah, say and it's uh, re- it sounds really awesome. I mean, it's great. It works well with the acoustic guitar and his vocals.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a. a, a I mean, and and it was hard to choose also between songs, but uh, I think Russ and I, being the uh, eclectic group that we are, uh, with with our music tastes and influences and stuff, we instantly heard this one and we're like, Yeah, Elton John's amazing, and these yeah, guys yeah. somehow pulled. Uh, An Elton John trick, which was amazing that, you know, and and what's cool is that this is their song. This is this is something that these individuals wrote, uh, not Elton John, obviously. And they pulled from one of the greatest, you know, living music musicians and and uh, and 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 seem to uh, have done it, you know, what to what we think is effortlessly, effortlessly. But I can understand, you know, they've definitely been writing this album for uh, a couple of years now painstakingly getting into the uh, the, the studio uh, in order to deliver us this uh, this really handcrafted product that is amazing so uh, BJ Fisher the new album is night reminder on. and this song is nothing at all
2: I'm not scared of what I will find I'm not walking on I think I'm learning what is. a garden in the rain It was too bright I couldn't see it. Is that why your darkness came Whoa. Just like
1: again was bj fisher from their all new album night reminder and that song again was nothing at all uh super
0: good it was amazing
1: i mean the whole time we're we're you know listening to that song uh and just thinking of how uh absolutely fantastic it was Uh, everything we've already said before we played the song uh and and uh it just is an absolute groove
0: i was like air playing piano over here because it's so rocky it was so good
1: so awesome. Go check BJ Fisher out. Uh, the new album is available on Spotify and Apple. So uh, go and show some support. Awesome. Beer review time. What do we got? Oh, we got a good one
0: today. Um, to compete with the old Spotted Cow, the Wisconsin tradition, we're actually doing another Cream Ale from Lake Louis today. And this one's called the Golden Booty Cream Ale. Golden nice. Booty.
1: Yo, Ooh, Booty.
0: Uh, so the ABV on this one is a 4.8% ABV, low on the IBU scales, 18. So, cause it's more of the maltiness coming through. Yeah. Um, and this one was formerly known as the Coon Rock Cream Ale that they used to offer. And it's similar to like the beer is like a pre-prohibition cream ale um, with you get in the flaked corn, um, very creamy and very full bodied when you pour this thing. I mean, you got a nice head on this sucker. It's, it's delicious. Yeah. Very lightly hopped. And actually what uh, it was dubbed by the company was the ultimate lawnmower beer. Which really, I could yeah. definitely suck this one down in the summer months. Like, it's very light, but it's just like, for me, ales are awesome, right? Like, I love ales. I don't know about you, but they're, like, just really easy. They're malty. They're not super hoppy. Yeah. Easy drinkers, light. You're not going to die in this one, right?
1: Yeah, and, and, um, you know, like we've kind of said before, uh, all love to New Glarus.
2: Oh, yeah, um, for sure.
1: I like a lot of their beers more than I like Spotted Cow. Um, and this one is a oh, yeah. great uh, showing. I mean, I I, I love this beer, um, and and it is it, it. I I could certainly see myself having a few of these babies, you know, on the on the Cub Cadet.
0: And, Just remember, uh, if your wheels touch the road, though you can get a DUI. Oh yeah, absolutely. open intoxicants. So be careful if you are drinking these. On Keep the it lawnmower. on the green. Don't be like the guy in uh, what was it, Rhinelander? That yeah. we talked about where he went to the uh, grocery store on his lawnmower Idiot. after he was drinking a couple of brews. Whew not yeah. a good idea.
1: Very bad idea and things can turn bad quickly uh, if you don't keep those wheels on the green and then on the turf, you know. But no,
0: this one is just like very like foamy and frothy. It's just like you're it's a great beer. I mean, if it's, it's like nicely carbonated, it has like that nice corn flake coming through, kind of that graininess that I like in a beer. Like, yeah. low on the hops. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of hop in here, but it's very light. You can't taste it. There's barely any bittering unit at
1: all. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, they it's probably added really super quickly towards the very end of the process, and it's just nothing, you know.
0: Yeah, it doesn't even mean anything. But this beer is just phenomenal. And to me, like, I'm, I I know we've discussed this before. I'm not a, I'm not a massive Spotted Cow fan. Like, I know a lot of people come over to the state line to get the Spotted Cow. I, you know, I just am not a huge fan. We've reviewed it. Like, it's good. Yeah. It's just, to me, like... And actually, you know what, though, I have to say is like German people that come over here, they say they're the most German like beers. And it is.
1: Trust me, it's a great beer. It's just I actually like the offerings from New Glarus outside of the the Spotted Cow. And
0: Lake Louis is an awesome company. I still still want to sing some worms with the owner. If he's ever down, you got to let me know because I am ready to sing some worms with you and go fishing. But uh, this. And he beer, also
1: has a massive guitar collection too. We've talked to. Yeah, him
0: about. and he he actually took lessons from uh, the um, intro.
1: Yes. Uh, Tom Wasselchuk. Yeah. Tom Wasselchuk. Yeah. He
0: uh, t- taught him some uh, some lessons, but no, I I love this beer. It's delicious. If 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 i could get more of this beer i would probably drink it all day because it like goes down really easy low on the abv so you're not going to get drunk on this one it's just tasty it's just delicious a good hearty beer you know it fills you up which is great like it's just awesome but go and check it out again it's golden booty cream ale from lake louis
2: grab a seat gather around join
0: All right, folks. You know what that means. It's time for the legendary "How many locals you at?" And to be fair with this episode, we're doing a Culver's DUI today. Are we? Yeah,
1: yeah. Keeping it uh, true to the uh, Butterburger name here. We've got an individual who I believe is now a former employee of. I'm guessing the great uh, restaurant chain. Uh, this is from West Bend. Uh, so Thursday afternoon around 4.45 p.m., an employee of Culver's in West Bend on Washington Street called police after a car hit a sign and retaining wall in the parking lot. So never mind. It this was, is not an employee. She co- she saw. She the, works there and saw it happen. Okay. And uh, so the responding officer identified the driver as a 57-year-old West Bend woman who uh, they're claiming is a drunk. Okay. So she's known around the town. All right, she's she's, she's, she's been drunk.
0: drink. She's been drinking. She's been on a Westbender.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. Oof. How do we miss that?
0: Yeah, it was a good opportunity for me to throw in a so, shade
1: This woman, uh, she failed uh, field sobriety tests and blew a point two eight. Holy that smokes! Massive, that's a massive breathalyzer, uh, which is yeah over three times uh, the legal limit, and uh, she was arrested for OWI. And uh, the woman was not injured.
0: Well, it's good she wasn't injured. Um, and you
1: know what that sound means? She was fucked. She was drunk ding, as shit. Fucked. <laughs> ding. So fucked.
0: So we we do got some information here. We have age. We have the um, uh, breathalyzer. Um, but. I mean, which I'm guessing she must have been going through the drive thru to be able to be spotted, or close to the Culver's area. Yeah,
1: because she hit a sign in a retaining wall. And
0: folks, you know what? Like the Culver's, uh, it's everything they offer is good, you know. But don't don't be putting your brandy in there and making a brandy slushy with your oh, ice cream. I know. You know what I mean? Like wait till you get home. Yeah, wait till you get home. Yeah. Make that brandy slushy with the old custard there. Yeah. And uh, but no, I I am not sure. You know, I I wonder what the the bail was posted. If it was a thousand or two thousand Scoopy tokens or what? Yeah, like, exactly. What's going on here? A little bit of Cole's. Cash little on top. little Coles cash. No. I'm not sure on this one. But I don't know. We got some information here. Um You
1: can't use your quick trip rewards to get out of jail. Right? No. that's, I, that's you, not. You're to okay. use those
0: points for a free coffee. Don't be using them to get out of jail. <laughs> yeah, this one. is
1: for Karuba Gold coffee, not you know, bail. Uh yeah. So like you said she
0: hit a retaining wall, point two eight, like that's that's almost blood poisoning level. Like you're getting up there. You're close. You're yeah,
1: you're you're nearing the point of intoxication where you don't come back from.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, 0. 0.3, 0.35, I mean those are lethal levels of intoxication that uh that she is dangerously flirting with and again, we don't know that this person just stopped drinking now or if this was, you know, a, a situation where she stopped drinking hours before and then thought I could really go for a fucking custard right now. I need to absorb some of this liquor with some fries yeah. and a butter burger. So I'm starting to think, you know, although we don't have a lot of information, what we do have is telling. Yeah, for um, sure. It You know what it takes to get to a point two eight.
0: That's a lot of beer for me. I have That's, a breathalyzer. Actually, I keep one in the car before I leave here to yeah. make sure I'm actually okay to go home, yeah. to be honest. So I know it takes a lot to get to
1: a .28. .28 is, is an Olympic-level drunk and... Uh, It takes it takes a beef to get there. Now, we also know it's four forty five in the afternoon. She started early. early. She
0: started early.
1: She is drinking at ten, if not, you know, eight or nine.
0: This is with eggs. This This is, is this is liquor and eggs.
1: Right. This is smutting eggs in Madison, getting, you know, getting ripped up and and torn up at breakfast she went
0: on a west bender after the fact and yeah. uh yes yeah, i think we have enough information here to kind of put down uh, a local level at least i do i've got a number you do i mean oh, she hit yeah. a retaining wall i'm guessing she hit the retaining wall because she was starting to black out yeah so i got my number here do you hard yours? to
1: control a vehicle motor function is done at that point so all right do you want to go yeah. on three on this one yep
0: Three, two, one, 21. fifteen. okay you going 21. So, yeah. do you want to meet somewhere in the middle there like 17 18 local, you think?
1: I'd go 17. Let's we
0: can go with 17 local on this one. Yeah. I think that's a good number. 57-year-old point 28 breathalyzer west bender.
1: And it's been a while since we've explained some some of the Yeah, and if you want to go into ideas, that I just really understand. So, uh Loco uh, for loco is a drink that is a malt liquor beverage that uh, happens to be mixed with uh, the likes of heroin and cocaine and other <laughs> hard I love shit. that you put it that way. It's, uh, it is pretty hard. But... also slightly dripped and drizzled with red Bull so and monster. Uh, both. it has to be both. So uh, this thing will give you wings and it'll give uh, you a it's, uh, liquor an erection. Speed. it's bad. This stuff is is ridiculous. Uh, it'll make you grow hair and then lose the hair that you have. Now, so four loco, in each can of four loco, contains four lokes. Yeah. So if you drink half of the can, you're, you're at two lokes. If you drink a full can, you're at four lokes. So that's where we're getting these numbers from, where Russ and I had said originally 21 and 15. I was thinking this person had drank 21 of those lokes. And uh, so like five point. Yeah. Something cans of loco, And so, you know, Russ being at 15. So we're just going to meet happily in the middle somewhere. 17, 18. I yeah, think I think that's a good number 17. Essentially, what we're trying to say is if you have two, three, four cans of four loco co- in completion, uh, you're you're going to be riding high and then riding real low. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be
0: like a great day then go to the worst that you've ever had. Yeah. Crash.
1: Because uh, nobody likes the county hotel. It's no good.
0: No. And you know what though? Like, 57 years old, early morning drinking, I mean... I'm, I'm hoping whatever happens later, I hope she's okay. But next yeah. time, I want to tell her there is a lot of places you can go, to you now, like DoorDash to get your culvers delivered to your home. It's a little yeah. expensive, but, yeah. hey, you're going to avoid this DUI you got and sitting in the hold.
1: What's more expensive, you know, a couple thousand dollars in fines and, and lawyer fees and court fees or with the, the $15 charge that uh, all these DoorDash things add?
0: Yeah, you know? exactly. It's worth it to me to have somebody go and get it for you if you're this drunk and going this hard. So, yeah, Eric, 17 loco. Do you want to sound the gavel for us? <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Keaton from the Milton House, which is great to have a follow-up. I mean, sometimes we don't always get things accurate. You know that, Eric. Absolutely. All too well. Yep. So, Keaton, can you give us a little bit of a history about the Milton House and maybe some things we got wrong on the episode?
3: Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for highlighting the Milton House. Um, Definitely appreciate that. Um, So, the Milton House is famous for a variety of reasons, but the most famous is that we were a stop on the Underground Railroad. So, we're the only certified site in Wisconsin that is open to the public. So there are other certified underground railroad sites in wisconsin but most of them are privately owned um, churches or houses or maybe now it's just uh, um, the building no longer standing so we're the only one that the public can actually come and tour um so that's a big claim to fame we also actually do have an underground portion which is a tunnel it connects two of our buildings together the actual milton house structure um, and then connects with the pioneer cabin that's located behind behind the structure Um, So you did not have to have an underground portion to be on the Underground Railroad. A lot of people assume you had to have a secret room or an underground tunnel. You didn't. A lot of people used churches or their own home, and they just sheltered the people within the buildings that they had. Um, So that actually does make us unique. Um, We're one of the only ones in the country that actually has an underground portion, and you get to go on that when you come on the tour. So that's a very cool experience for people. It can be a very emotional experience for people. Um, So that one is something that definitely draws tourists to our site. Um as far as the cement goes, that's a very common misconception and honestly even the museum had that misconception for a long time probably around the time you got your information. Um so we are actually a grout building. Okay. Um, so it's a very kind of early form of cement. It's very similar. It's made with um you use uh slack lime, which is like burnt limestone. And that's partly why Joseph used it, because he could get everything he needed to make grout from right in Milton. He didn't have to ship anything in, so he, could, he saved a lot of money. But you use slack lime, gravel, dirt, water, and um, then you just mix it all together. You put it into a form, just like you do with cement, let it set, and then you can use it. Um, but it's a bit of a softer material than what cement is now. But like in the 50s and 60s, uh, when the building was starting to have structural issues, they just used cement regular cement like we think of today to fix it and what that caused a lot of issues because cement and grout expand and contract at different rates so the cement that they used to fix cracks or such in the grout was actually pushing the grout you know and expanding the building so we have since now it always gets fixed with grout which is a good thing but um, even on a tour I say when I talk about grout I say the closest thing we have to it today is cement so that's a common mistake so definitely you know don't beat yourself up over that one no no,
0: Um, i think i think the article we referenced was like um american architecture from 1968 was given to us by the wisconsin historical society when we referenced it and then i realized like yeah this might actually be a mistake it's not one of the first cement structures technically
1: yeah
3: right but on the kind of on the flip side of that that Joseph came up with his own recipe for grout and he used it on the Milton house. He used it on the first Milton college building, that building um, uh, fell down after only a few years and then they built the buildings are there now. Um, But it's actually, I read somewhere and I can't remember off the top of my head where, but Joseph and that recipe is actually credited with like 32 grout buildings across the country. Wow. So yeah, so it is very unique and like we are very lucky that we have a, Uh, a bricklayers union that is willing to work with us and they come and do the work on the building for free so that they can use it as training because it's so hard to find grout buildings to do any kind of training and certification on. And we just had work done on it in 2021 and they were actually talking about flying people in from Washington DC just to look at the building and see it and see how they repair it. So it's, I mean, so to me, it's like from a, if you are really big into historic buildings, architecture, all of that, like, the building has interest just that way outside of, you know, the underground Railroad, which is obviously another side of it. So yeah. um, it's a very, it's a very unique building. Also it's six sided, the hexagonal shape, which is unique. A lot of buildings back then, 1830s and forties, the octagon side, octagonal houses were very popular. Um, so we don't know why Joseph picked only six sides. I think maybe that was just the number of <laughs> bedrooms or rooms he wanted in his hotel. Um, but we're not exactly sure why he picked that shape. So, um, and then you know, so the building is Underground Railroad and um, we have one freedom seeker who came to the Milton House. We know by name. His name is Andrew Pratt. So we talk a lot about him um, on the tour. Um, and then we, you know, kind of use him just as a, a jumping off point to talk to people about the Underground Railroad as a whole, because unfortunately, um, the history around the Underground Railroad is very hard to research because it was secret. Um, a lot of people didn't want to talk about it even after slavery was uh, made illegal. Um, And then there's just been a lot of misinformation about the Underground Railroad. So I have people who come who literally think they're going to be going on a train ride or that our tunnel is going to go to another county or something like that. And so trying to educate people around what the Underground Railroad actually was, who was working on it, what its purpose was, you know, the risks that people were taking while they were using the Underground Railroad and while they were helping, Um, and those conversations obviously tend to then lead into even more discussions about race, social justice, you know, slavery, and all of that. So uh, we have, we're just in such a unique position, I feel like, especially with everything that's been going on over the last two years around race relations and all of that, that, you know, we we can really help people start a healthy conversation around racism and what, you know, how they're being treated or how their ancestors were treated. And hopefully through those conversations, we can start to you know, heal the wounds that just haven't been dealt with over the last 150 years.
2: Absolutely. Um,
3: so, so that's a, it's one of the things I love most about giving tours is getting to talk to people about that and hear their, you know, their, um, their viewpoints on stuff. It's really interesting to give school tours to school kids um, because they're very aware of what's going on in the country and they want to talk about it. It's funny because a lot of people are like, "Well, we don't know if we should bring our kids because it's slavery and stuff," and, the, and I don't know. And I'm like kids want to learn about it. They already yeah. know about it. They're hearing about it in the media and everywhere. So talk to them, have, have an educational conversation with them about it. And, you know, we can't keep just not talking about it. We have to right. talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Um, but at least we're doing it in an education, educational and healthy way. So,
0: yeah, you know, I, I love that, especially like our generation, um, me and Eric's, like a lot of us aren't very interested in the history. I mean, I've always been a history buff my entire life i mean maybe like sometimes you get things wrong or i'll find old articles that maybe are a little outdated but we love what you guys are doing and um, i was just on the tour like not too long ago maybe a few years ago obviously before covid hit and everything and uh, mm-hmm. i loved it it was it was great and it was like it's it's cool to see a mixture of people too it wasn't just old young it was like a mix which i i thought was amazing and i love that yeah. place
3: yeah and we um i always say I'm, i've always been a huge uh, history buff too um but i tell people all the time i said it's it's not that people don't like history. They just don't like how it's being presented to them.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I
3: think, to, you know, today people, uh, I feel like it's my age, you know, you want to be able to make the connections, and you don't want the whitewashed version. You want to know what was actually happening, and you want it to be interactive and emotional and engaging. And when it's just kind of someone just, you know, yeah. blurting facts out at you, it's very like, okay, whatever. But when you can, that's why I think the museum is cool, because we can actually walk through the tunnel. Or you yeah. can touch some objects that people use, right? Like we remember things when we can touch them and feel them and smell them. That's that's huge. It's a part of our how we make memory. So the more that the museum can do that, and you know, we just underwent over from 2020 to 2022. Now we've um, under. We got a grant from the Network to Freedom, which is a National Park Service um, program that we thousand dollars to overhaul all of our um, exhibits and our tour content so we've changed up the tour a little bit we are really trying to stay on top of making sure that we're up to date with you know historical research and all of that um, in 2018 we had someone paint a mural um, it's three stories tall going down a stairwell that kind of depicts uh, Andrew's journey from leaving a plantation to arriving at Milton which is very very cool so even if you've come in the last you know if you came pre-COVID, you should definitely come post-COVID okay. <laughs> because uh, we've changed things up again. And so, you know, hopefully that's something that I'm trying to do as a director is that, you know, things keep changing. i giving you a reason to come back. I never want it to be a one and done. Like, oh, well, I already went there. I'm never going to go back. I right. want you to come back and see us again. So, Yeah,
0: yeah you bet. And it, for our listeners that want to learn a little more about the Milton House, is there any great references you recommend them check out?
3: Yeah, well, I would say um, that we have um, our website, MiltonHouse.org org, is a good spot. Um, as far as stuff on, you know, online, there's you know, we've been a museum since the 1950s, so there's definitely articles and stuff online. Uh, but kind of as you guys found, they're not necessarily always historically accurate. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if you, um, and sometimes unfortunately, even with state historical study, kind of gets caught up that way. But we do have a couple books that we have in our. Um, in our gift shop that uh, there's one of them. And I joke, I call it like the Milton, Bi- Milton house Bible. Okay, and yeah. it's like, if I have a question, I'm like, I'm going to go here and see, cause it covers all the way from the time Joseph arrives in Milton all the way up to basically becoming a museum. Um, so that's always a good, a good resource. There is a book, it's called freedom train North. Um, and that one I think you can get on Amazon, but that's about underground railroad stories in Wisconsin and the Milton house is included in there as well. So I would say come and visit us. We have an archives. Um, so, you know, come to our, visit our website. Um, and then, you know, as far as like specific articles I can quote and stuff, I don't really have anything off the top of my head, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, you know.
0: Perfect. And then we wanted to know um, with like the COVID conditions and everything, um, what are the hours in operation right now so uh, we can come and visit you?
3: Yeah. So right now we're in our winter hours. So we are offering tours on uh, – Wednesday through Friday you just have to call us in advance we have all of our docents are volunteers so we just have to call and make sure that they're available so you can just uh, give us a call and we will set up a tour time with you once summer comes so Memorial Weekend um, through Labor Day Weekend we are open Tuesday through Sunday at 10 to 4 and you can just show up we have docents there that entire time and they will take you on a tour so Definitely come visit us now. Um, February is Black History Month. We tend to get a lot of tours, so we do group tours. Um, if you're a homeschool parent right now, <laughs> um, which a lot of us <laughs> yeah. are, even though we don't yeah. want to be. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we have school rates, and we're giving those to um, to school kids, too. Uh, so, yeah, definitely um, we're on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Milton House, uh, Milton House is our, our handle. And I feel like those are the best places to keep up to date with all of our special events that we have going on um, and stuff like that. So,
0: Keaton, thank you so much for your time. Um, we cannot wait to get yeah. down to the Milton house. And, uh, if you ever want, we can share a beer and maybe talk some more history.
3: All right. Well, I would love that. I love, I would talk history all day, every day. So thank you for, you know, again, thank you for highlighting the Milton house. Um, thank you for being willing to you know, come on and fix your quote unquote errors.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: And, and, uh, letting us get us get word out there. Cause we definitely, you know, we feel that everyone in Wisconsin should come see us. So we want to get our word out there. So we appreciate you guys, um, taking
0: the time to chat with us. Oh, you bet, Keaton. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.
3: All right, you too. Thanks, guys. All right, right, bye. Thanks,
1: bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If
0: you enjoyed this vulgar display of
1: Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as
0: always, watch watch out for deer on on your way home. home.